0: All right, welcome back everyone to the Cod Cabin, I'm I'm Adam Bass. Uh, joining me as always is Jesse Hahn and Jack Leary, Logan Rabe, unfortunately a bit busy today, but today we're going to be talking once again to Kayla Walsh, or is it Kayla Walsh or Kayla? Yeah,
1: pause, that's not how you say my name, it's Kayla.
0: Kayla, right. Well, there you go. First... Why, don't we
2: start, why don't we start from the top?
3: <laughs> Quick restart. Yeah,
0: as I was saying, welcome back to the Cod Cabin, I'm Adam Bass, joined by Jack Leary, Jesse Hahn, and... Kala Walsh, got that one right. Uh, Logan, uh, not joining us today, but today we're going to be talking about Act On Mass. Uh, Kala, why don't you start off by, again, reintroducing yourself to the to the audience and telling us what Act On Mass is.
1: Yeah, um, well, I would love to give a little background about the organization, um, transparency in the State House, and then the campaign we're working on right now. Um, So my name is Kala, she, her pronouns. And right now I'm a regional organizer for Act on Mass. So I'm organizing four different um, state representative districts, um, organizing constituents to meet with their reps and ask them to support three different transparency amendments. Um, And Act on Mass was founded, I believe in 2019 um, by Erica Eiderhoven, who's now a state representative and a few others. Um, And yeah, they're an organization focused on transparency in the state house, which obviously is not the most glamorous issue, but it's really important. Um, and it's connected to a lot of other progressive issues that we care about. Um, so in 2019, um, there um, were similar amendments that were voted on. So every year or every two years at the start of the legislative session before the house can get to work on any um, of you know the writing bills, passing bills, um, working on legislation, they have to pass their rules, which um, decide um, you know how all bills are passed. Um, and in 2019, a retired rep now. Um, His name was Jonathan Hecht. He served in the 27th Middlesex District, which is Watertown and Cambridge. He introduced some very similar amendments to the ones we're supporting now. Um, And they were to make committee votes public um, and to have 72 hours before bills are voted on. And these amendments were voted down. I think about 50 reps voted for each of them. Um, And after Hecht spoke out so vocally about these amendments, Um, really in opposition to the Democratic leadership. He was demoted from his position as the Vice Chair of the Elders Affairs Committee um, and lost part of um, the salary boost that he got from that leadership position. yeah, the leadership is really not happy that these amendments were being pushed so um, so rigorously, um, but there was really no organized um, like outside organizing for them act on mass didn't exist yet so there was only inside organizing. Um, so we're feeling a lot more hopeful because we have over 2000 volunteers that are supporting the campaign we're doing right now, um, which is now a good time for me to sort of introduce that.
2: yeah that would be Um, yeah yeah, that would be great yes
1: yeah so the campaign we're working on right now is the transparency is power campaign and of course um since a lot of new reps just got sworn in they're working on the rules package right now um we're expecting it to be voted on likely in the first couple weeks of February and um we have reps who will be introducing three different amendments that we really think will start to increase transparency in the state house of course they're not like a full solution to this problem, but they're a really good start. Um, so the First Amendment is making committee votes public, very similar to the 2019 one. Um, Massachusetts is in the minority of states with private, com- or with secretive committee votes, and um, the State Senate actually already publicizes committee votes, so it's kind of common sense for the House to do the same. And this is important because a lot of bills get voted down in committee, they get watered down in committee, or um, they get sent to study, which basically means having no action on them for. Um, usually a few years, sometimes decades, um, and really important bills like same-day voter registration has been repeatedly voted down, I think for 20 years now. Um, it's been 12 years since the State House passed a comprehensive climate bill, um, besides the one that was just vetoed by Charlie Baker. Um, stuff like the Safe Communities Act, um, even bills that over half the House co-sponsors, these bills get voted down or just stay in committee. Um, and we can't you know, actually advocate for them when we don't know how different reps are voted in those committees. Um, The second amendment is providing 72 hours before bills are voted on. Um, This is, um, I think been pretty pretty obvious in the end of the session, how suddenly a ton of legislation was rushed through, voted on almost immediately. And that really is part of what excludes the public from um, the legislative process because a bill like the police reform bill over hundred pages long, super complex is released and then almost immediately voted on. And it's really um, giving us no time to read it, dissect what's in it, figure out where we stand and contact our reps when they're releasing it and then voting on it at like 2 a.m. And then the final amendment is lowering the threshold for public roll call votes. This is because act on mass believes there aren't enough publicly recorded votes. Um, So right now, 16 reps or 10% of the house has to stand in order for any vote to be recorded. We're trying to lower it to eight reps or 5%. Um, Right now in other states, um, some, um, legislative bodies have it as, as low as one or two reps have to stand for a vote to be recorded. Um, U S Congress, it's 5% of the body has to stand. Um, so this is really just to make it easier to get votes on the record. Um, so yeah, those are our three amendments and we have over 2000 constituents and districts across the state who are meeting with their reps have already met with their reps and now are, you know, escalating pressure, trying to get people to publicly commit to this. Um, and then we'll see what happens in the rules vote, but, um, yeah, that's basically what we have done so far. Um, and I guess the only other thing I'd mention is that we put a ballot question, a non-binding ballot question on the ballot in 16 different state rep districts across um, across the state. So districts in West Mass, North Shore, South Shore, Boston, um, all different sorts of districts. And the question basically asked voters if they thought their state rep should vote to make committee votes public. And shockingly, um, this, um, this ballot question got an average of 90% support across the state. In some districts, it was like 95%, which I think shows there's a really clear public mandate for more transparency. I can't remember the last time you know 90% of Massachusetts agreed on an issue. So um, transparency really um, has broad support across the political spectrum. It's not just something progressives are focusing on. It's something that everyone thinks is just really important and like a pretty basic tenet of democracy at this point.
3: That was a very comprehensive explanation and one thing that I think is the most interesting part of uh, Act on Mass's transparency campaign is the way you've organized, you know, in every statehouse district. So I'd love to hear, you know, kind of about how you guys are doing it in general and also about your um, specific experience, you know, in your statehouse districts that you're working on and organizing in right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um... So I think what we're doing is really unprecedented in, um, in Massachusetts, and that's sort of been shown by the reaction we've gotten from a lot of reps. Um, like I said, in 2019, all the campaigning for these um, amendments was going on on the inside. And that's how a lot of um, advocacy goes on in the state house. Organizations hire lobbyists, and they meet with reps behind closed doors, and that determines how things are voted on. So what we're doing um, by organizing constituents um, right now, we have over 2,000 volunteers in different districts. Of course, some districts have more volunteers than others, um, and those are people who've signed up. We have text bank for recruitment. We have a lot of um, endorsing organizations like Sunrise 350, um, the Massachusetts Teachers Unions, um, who are also their members are also um, joining the campaign. Um, but we, um, you know, are organizing these groups, and we're setting up meetings with reps and asking them, "Will you, to our faces, commit to voting for this thing that we think is really important?" Um, and I think the um, response we've gotten from some people shows sort of how unprecedented this is, and also shows how dangerous a lack of transparency is because some reps think that what we're doing is hostile. And, um, you know, I don't think setting up um, a constituent meeting is inherently hostile, but apparently some people think it is because um, they're not used to their constituents asking them to do something that might require bravery or might require standing up to leadership or might require taking a political risk. Because so much of what happens in the state house is entirely centered around insider politics. And um, we're doing um, work entirely on the outside. We're not whipping votes on the inside. We're whipping votes publicly, which um, people are not used to. And um, they think it's hostile. We think it's, um, you know, pretty, pretty basic. Like it's a, having meetings with your rep is like kind of just like a basic part of democracy, part of having healthy, legislator constituent relationships Um, but i'm really excited because i think we're sort of setting up a new um a new organizing strategy and sort of fighting um that oppressive insider politics system that is meant to shut um shut the constituents out but especially young constituents working class constituents people of color who have historically been left behind from these processes in the first place
2: something um... We talk about a lot on the program is how Massachusetts is a very establishment state with systems designed to protect incumbents. Do you think um, these lack of trans- this lack of transparency is a way to protect incumbents?
1: I absolutely think it is um, because a lot of reps don't want their constituents to see how they vote. Um, I think you can definitely make valid arguments that, oh, you know, you live in a purple district, you don't want to make some Republicans angry and then lose your seat. But um, I think there are a lot of um, centrist incumbents who have voted in ways that um, their more progressive constituents wouldn't be happy with, and they really don't want them to see that. Um, So yeah, I think the lack of transparency is just another way to reinforce um, those sort of systemic issues that keeps the establishment in power and um, protects incumbents. Um, And I think that's part of the reason why leadership, um, democratic leadership are um, in main opposition to this. Of course, we don't know how the vote is gonna go yet, but at least in 2019, they were very against these initiatives. Um, And Mariano has said he's open to more transparency, but we've seen in the past that leadership really isn't um, prioritizing it whatsoever. Um, And I think transparency is just a small part of those systemic issues um, in the state house. But by beginning to tackle this, we're really asking Rank and file reps um, who enable leadership to step up and do something brave, which is voting in a way that they're not necessarily supposed to, but because their constituents ask them. Which seems um, like a pretty basic ask, but in the culture of the state house, it is. It does take a lot of bravery, you know, to stand up and say, "I'm voting with my constituents. Those are the people that I serve. Those are the people that pay my salary, not the speaker, not um, you know, the majority leader, not whoever's in leadership."
0: I want to press a question upon you, and this is not a criticism at all. Um, this is about if I were putting myself into a, not, not, not even someone who is civically engaged or, or politically engaged or even ideolo- uh, ideological. Um, I, I'm coming up to you saying, hey Kayla, Kayla, damn it, um, hey Kayla, um, you know, what does this do for me? You know, I'm trying to make a sensible wage in Massachusetts You know, you're focusing so much on Beacon Hill. What about the rest of us outside of Beacon Hill, outside of Boston, outside of Norfolk and Suffolk County? Um, What does this have to do with us? You know, where's our position? We don't understand how this is happening. Um, And and don't get me wrong. This is a great idea that you're doing. It deserves more press. But to those who are just not civically engaged, even post-Trump era, how do you talk to those people and say, I don't get it?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, And I think I'd respond in two ways. One, I think transparency is connected to every single other issue um, because it affects every single bill that goes through the state house. You mentioned fair wages. There is a wage theft bill that has over half of the House co-sponsoring it, and it's been killed four years in a row. Um, And we can't see how people vote on that because there's no transparency. So it really is connected to all those other issues. And I think every single person in the state can find some bill in the State House that they are impacted by or that they would be positively or negatively affected by that is also, you know, being worked on behind closed doors and they can't figure out what's going on. Um, I'd also say that if I was talking to someone who hasn't been engaged who doesn't really know what's going on on the State House going on on Beacon Hill, I was that same person. One or two years ago, I don't think I knew who my state rep was in 2019. I doubt I knew that we even had a state legislature like when I was in middle school. Um, And so few people know what's going on in the state house. And it's because of the lack of transparency. Um, And I didn't find out about this until I saw a presentation from act on mass. I've talked to so many of my volunteers who really had no idea about the lack of transparency until they found out about it. And now they are like completely radicalized against the Beacon Hill establishment. It's really just a matter of educating people about it. Um, But I think the lack of transparency is really shutting people out of the legislative process. It's hard to look on the State House website and figure out where bills are, who's supporting them, who's against them, especially in committees, but really in every aspect. Um, And that just shuts so many people out of the legislative process. And we think that's been super harmful because it centralizes insider politics and shuts out constituent voices from any bill that's being worked on.
3: I kind of want to return to the point Jesse made a couple minutes ago about kind of centrist establishment democratic opposition to these amendments. And uh, so far you've had success, you know, convincing a lot of progressive Democrats to vote for this bill, but correct me if I'm wrong, success also relies quite a good bit on Republican votes too, right? Um, So how do you kind of, is there any opposition? Because I'm sure Republicans vote for it because they think more transparency will benefit them obviously transparency is good in itself, but what, what do you as an organizer for this cause kind of think about the fact that, you know, you have some unlikely allies in the state house?
1: Yeah. So, um, just for listeners who don't know in 2019, um, every single report, Republican, I believe voted for the more transparency amendments um, and are likely to vote for them again this time. I think that's for a couple different reasons. Um, one, leadership opposes them and Republicans tend to oppose whatever the democratic leadership supports. So it's not necessarily about what the amendments actually include. It's more about, you know, we're voting against this because they, they don't like, or we're voting for this because they don't like it. Um, I also think it's because transparency often or more transparency often benefits um, minorities in the state house. In our case, we care about the progressive minority that we're trying to build and empower. Um, And it could also benefit the Republicans, um, but that's not really, you know, the Republicans really have no legitimacy in the state house and they're not a meaningful um, opposition force at all to the leadership. So that has been um, something we've heard from reps. They're saying like, oh, there's a secret Republican mole and act on mass that is like, you guys are actually like a right wing organization trying to pass these. Which isn't true at all. Um, And I think that's shown by the fact that, um, like with these ballot question results, 90% support across um, all over the state in all these different districts, from super blue districts, um, more purple districts. um, And we've gotten commitments from like, you know, the typical progressive reps that will vote for this kind of stuff, but also more centrist reps who just think, um, you know, it's like a super basic issue that can unite people um, and that voters deserve to see how their reps vote whether their rep um, is a Democrat or Republican or an independent.
2: I don't want to wish failure on the campaign. I certainly think it's a great idea, but say this is voted down again. Um, is there consideration that possibly in 2022 that this could become a ballot question? to So you just put it to all the voters in the state.
1: I don't know the legality of that because It's not, you know, this isn't an actual bill. It's the rules package. Um, These are just amendments to the rules package. So I don't know if voters would, like if that would be a valid ballot question if it were just changing like internal state house rules. Um, I have seen a lot of, you know, like joke tweets about how we should just try to pass everything through ballot questions because the legislature does nothing. But I think what I'm more for in 2022 is the fact that we have groups of dozens of constituents in districts across the state who have met with their reps face-to-face and sometimes been told, no, um, we're not voting for more transparency, or we'll find out that their rep votes against it, and now these people are going to be really fired up um, to hold their rep accountable. So whether it's finding a primary challenger, whether it's pressuring their rep um, before the election to maybe sign the Act on Mass Pledge to pledge to make their committee votes public, I think the most important part of this is that we're waking up constituents to the fact that they're state rep, just because they're a Democrat, that doesn't necessarily mean they're progressive and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're voting the way they want them to. Um, so I would be really excited to, you know, maybe see some of my volunteers end up running for office um, or people volunteering for um, a progressive primary challenger.
0: When I think about this program I, I, or, or coalition, I, I tend to think, okay, well, what's the best way to get the voice across? And I keep coming back to something I talk about all the time, and that's, you know, local media, local news, local newspapers. And yet, even though uh, Act On Mass is trying to talk about transparency, there hasn't been an investment in those local outlets to really talk about. I know you guys use a lot of, uh, a lot of internet strength, mainly on social media, which is good, but I, I tend to come back to the question, what would happen if people saw this in their local paper, in the Globe, in the Herald, wherever it may be, or on their news or on their local cable station, and say, wow, you know, this is coming from my home. This is coming from places that I didn't know about. If the, if the Transparency Act does get filled or if it does get put into the rules package, would you continue helping local issues such as uh, helping transparency through our media, our, our local uh, town halls? Would there be an investment in there?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I think the, the death of local media has really contributed to the disengagement at the state level and the fact that people don't pay enough attention to statehouse politics. But we have actually um, had a ton of columns, a ton of um, letters to the editor, a ton of op-eds written in local papers. Um, just this week, we had a training where we trained, um, for a week of action, we trained a ton of our volunteers on how to write an effective letter to the editor or op-ed. Um, I published one in Cambridge Day, which is my local newspaper. Sure. Um, I had two volunteers write one to the Gloucester Times. We had some in the Berkshire Eagle. Um, I'm happy to send you the link to those, but we've had um, sure. dozens at least, um, and they're all linked on our website, which I think is really cool because, like you said, this isn't necessarily an issue that people are going to hear about if they aren't like on MAPALE Twitter all the time. But if they're reading their local newspaper and they see something like a headline that says, we should know how our reps vote. They're gonna suddenly be like, wait, I don't know how my rep votes. And then sort of read the article, get woken up to this issue and also realize that there's action that can be taken locally. Um, And the thing about, you know, meeting with your state rep is that these people are your neighbors. These people shop at your grocery store. They're very active community members um, most often. So um, I think that's a really great point. And we have definitely um, been using that as a strategy, you know, to get the word out to more people rather than those who are just online all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And and to follow up, you would uh, call, uh, help those efforts to bring back local media as well, and help their efforts to go on, such as Report for America or other sorts of pro- programs in Massachusetts to help bring that back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I personally like super strongly support that. I'm sure Act on Mass does as well. And this is a one time campaign, but the work that we do is a lot bigger. And transparency is the issue we focus on, but we're um, really supportive of other um, you know progressive issues too and. I think that'd be really cool to look more into about um, bringing that back. And I think just the fact that we're getting people to start writing letters to the editor or op-eds, I hope some of these people start doing it for other issues too, cause it's fun. Um, it's effective. It's easy to get published in your local paper. Um, and that's a way to yeah, like revive local media and get more people looking at it.
2: Yeah, I saw a few of those and I was really impressed by the scale uh, of your campaign. Um, one qu- final question I wanted to ask is What do the numbers look like? How many um, public supporters do you have? And how many votes, like 100% do you have at the moment?
1: Yeah, I meant to look at our website with the final numbers um, before this. Right now, um, as of the last time I checked, I believe we have over 20 commitments for the First Amendment, which is making public committee votes. We have um, over 15 or 16 for all three. and we do have several that aren't public yet, just because the reps don't want to publicly commit, but have you know privately committed to their constituents. Um, and I guess what I'm most excited about is that you know there's people um, like Mike Connolly, like Erica Eiderhoven, who you expect to vote for all these sort of progressive issues, but we've also gotten commitments um, from more moderate reps um, who just think transparency is an important issue. And like I said earlier, I think it's really going to come down to these rank and file reps who aren't in leadership who don't have a lot of power. Often, you know, um, first time reps who are freshmen who were just inaugurated, we've gotten a lot of support from them just because they see it's such a common sense issue. But um, whether we succeed is really gonna come down to those people being brave enough to um, stand up and actually, you know, do what their constituents ask them to. And also, um, if anyone is curious at the list um, or if you wanna find out if your rep has committed, you can check out the website, actonmasks.org. We have a map um, of the districts where we have um, and haven't gotten commitments from different reps. And after the vote takes place, we will be publicizing everyone who votes yes. We've already voted or we've already publicized a lot of our commitments and we'll also be publicizing all those who vote no because they have failed to represent their constituents.
2: Yeah, um, thanks, like thanks for all this insight. like it's I think something I saw I've seen on Twitter for a few months now, and I think more people should get to know what's happening behind the scenes because, you know, Personal opinion, it's an abomination. Adam.
0: Yeah, I think Act on Mass is uh, probably one of the more interesting. Uh, it is a group, uh, you would call it, right? I can't. I can't find the right word. Hmm?
1: Yeah, we are like an official nonprofit designated organization. Okay. Um, I don't know, like the legal terminology behind that. But, well, um,
0: it would be an organization. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, I couldn't find the words, um, but yes, Act on Mass is. Uh, probably one of the most interesting organizations uh, in Massachusetts politics. I definitely recommend you give them a look, regardless of what your party stance is. Or if you are not interested or interested in politics, definitely take a look. You can find them on act.mass on Twitter. Uh, You have an official website?
1: Actonmass.org.
0: Actonmass.org. There you go. Uh, Jack.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for coming on, Kala. I said this last time, one of the most impressive teenagers in Massachusetts politics we have. Um, When I was 16, when I was 17, I I didn't know nearly as much and I wasn't doing as much. Uh, So it's always great to have you on. And uh, thank you everyone for listening.
1: Thanks for having me.